Hello, everyone. I just wanted to come on here and thank you all so much for supporting the podcast this year. My first experience hosting a podcast has been so much fun and such a joy being able to talk to so many amazing people within the healing world. I feel so grateful. In the spirit of winter time, I'm going to be taking a break from posting new episodes during the month of December. I will be taking time to rest, to turn inside, and to connect with family and friends. I will be back with brand new episodes for season two, starting on Monday, January 1st. The second season of That Wellness Podcast is proving to be pretty amazing, if I do say so myself. I will be interviewing people who are experts in the topics of motivation, guilt and shame, connecting with our self-energy, attachment theory, spirit guides, past lives, and so much more. I am so grateful for your support with this podcast. I truly am. If you'd like to stay connected with me, you can follow me on Instagram at Natalie Deering. You can sign up for my weekly newsletters at my website, ndwellnessservices.com. And you can reach out to me via email if you're interested in working with me using IFS. My email is ndwellness.services at therapysecure.com. And... If you've liked listening to the podcast, please rate it and leave a review. This really does help the podcast get out to more people, and I'm all about building community. I hope you enjoy the month of December and that you invite time for yourself to rest, to turn inside, and to connect with those you love. I appreciate you all so much. everyone and welcome to that wellness podcast with Natalie Deering. Today I'm sitting with Dr. Nadia Ramo. Nadia is a doctor of Chinese medicine, herbalist, and psychosomatic bodywork practitioner. She has been working in the realm of psychedelic therapy for over a decade, beginning with her own journey and eventually holding space for others. She did her psychedelic assisted therapy training with the CIIS in 2021 where she was exposed to the modality of IFS. Since then, she practices psychosomatic bodywork and acupuncture with and without psychedelics in a space where she finds IFS to naturally inform the session. She has also witnessed an overlap with Chinese medicine theory and parts work. Welcome, Nadia, aka Dr. Bones, to the podcast. Thank you so much. Feels good to be here. I'm so excited to be able to spend this time with you today. It's funny because I feel like I'm connected to you just because of all the years that you've been connected to my sister, Jenny. Mm -hmm. She's been on the podcast sharing her amazing wisdom. And we finally got to meet in person recently at my sister and Guillermo's wedding Mm -hmm. in San Diego, California. And that was the first time we actually got to meet I've been hearing your name, you know, coming from my sister for many years, I guess eight years now. And then when I finally got to meet you at the wedding, I was like, hello, (laughs) you played such an, you know, a a role with my sister, you know, and her being in California and being a support and a friend and a family member for her over there. So I felt like, yeah, yeah, we were already connected. 
in some way. Definitely. And, And then at the reception, you and I got to talk and we got into just talking about what you do, but also how it relates to IFS, Mm -hmm. which was really cool. And parts of me were really excited to dive into that with you and then to make this conversation happen, because I think this is an overlap that maybe a lot of the listeners listening today that are into IFS, whether they are a therapist or practitioner or, you know, someone who engages in IFS work themselves, I, there might not be a lot of listeners who know about this correlation. So I'm excited to for us to talk about this. Yeah, me too. Awesome. So I'd love you to share, because you shared with this a little bit with me at the reception at the wedding, but I asked you, I think, where did you get the name Dr. Bones? And do you care to share a little bit of that with the listeners in regards to where did that come from? Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Bones was a well-deserved name given to me by um, a very mystical character that came into my life around the year 2017. It was right when I graduated Chinese medicine school, I had gotten my license and I felt quite ill and um, got a bunch of blood labs and got diagnosed with this really obscure blood disorder. And they said that the the mechanism of pathology was stemming from my bone marrow. And they really wanted to get me on some intensive treatment right away. And being a practitioner of an Eastern medicine, I decided to kind of go the more holistic route and see what I could do naturally first off. And around that time of making that decision, I met this wild pirate of a man. And, um, I decided I wanted to build an altar of bones to honor my own bones, to honor my ancestry. Um, in Chinese medicine, our bones are very much connected to our inherited ancestral line. Mm. So I wanted to build an ancestral bone altar. And I met this man who just had the vibe of this guy might know where I could find some bones and <laughs> I asked him where I could find some bones. And from that point on, he started to call me bones And fast forward, I got my doctorate in Chinese medicine. I slowly started to heal my body. And, you know, I have a predisposition to this, to this disorder, but I am asymptomatic. I'm have normal blood labs at this point in life and kind of to honor the journey that I've been on and the initiations that I've gone through to like really heal myself. And also all of those lessons of healing myself transferred into my practice and into my clients. And so to, to honor that journey, I decided to go with the name Dr. Bones as sort of my healer alias. <laughs> I love that. I love it. And that's just, yeah, like, I think it's funny because I don't remember exactly like how that conversation started when we, when you shared, you know, that story with me about a month ago. But I remember when you were like sharing the story with me, I was like, I was not expecting it to have like that deep of a connection for you and your life. Yeah. And I just think that's, it's so beautiful just how it all transpired, even given, of course, like the hardships of you getting that diagnosis, mm-hmm. then to come across this individual who just sounds like he was just maybe just placed into your life at that time for a reason. Yeah. He's become one of my biggest teachers and part of a lot of the conversations we had throughout this time of me being in deep fear around my own mortality and death. Um, he would ask me questions to really face the reality of dying. And it felt 
really scary and almost offensive in the moment. But then I realized he was really like allowing me to, to face, I think the, one of the biggest human fears that we all have is around death. And we have to just embrace that. That is an inevitable that we really don't have any control over. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah. So I, I feel like it was this sort of spiritual inter karmic intervention of a human that came into my life. And he's become one of my biggest teachers. He's taught me woodworking, which became a huge part of my life. Um, we built my apothecary in my current home out of all out of scrap wood. Um, so his, his presence is, is always going to be a significant role in my life. That's amazing. And just Mm -hmm. so cool how the universe works like that. You know, it's just, yeah, here he is. And he's an important soul and person in your life for Mm -hmm. a reason. Yeah. Very cool. So, yeah, I'd love to hear, you know, what has been your journey to Mm -hmm. and with Chinese medicine? Was that something that you knew early on that that's what you wanted to specialize in or was it something else? And then somehow you got maybe connected to the opportunity of Chinese medicine. Yeah. It kind of just dropped in on me suddenly in my last year of my undergrad, I will say at the age of 16, I got introduced to Chinese tea ceremony, which really had a profound effect over me. I was really into surfing and partying. And also I got really good grades, but then tea ceremony kind of just became this like grounded, very Taoist, um, kind of like the, the, the idea of the Wu way of just the mm-hmm. way, um, this emptiness, this meditation. And it was my first introduction into just like non-attachment to something like surfing or non-attachment to social circles, non-attachment to education. It was just this like practice in the moment. And it had a really strong hold over me. I, you know, for my 17th birthday, I got myself a tea set and I started collecting teas from that age Mm -hmm. moving forward. And so throughout my undergrad, I utilized tea to kind of keep me just in remembrance of just like my soul of this meditation of this practice. Cause of course school just gets so heady in academics and the social set and settings get really intense in college. So tea ceremony Mm -hmm. always just kind of became my like grounded sort of reintroduction into my center. And when I would get off center So through the art of tea, I got exposed to Taoism. I got exposed to more of Chinese culture, the idea of acupuncture, but I really didn't know much about it. And um, I was actually studying the LSATs uh, to go to law mainly because my sister is a really successful lawyer. And I was Mm. like, well, I'll just maybe go down that path because it's already paved for me. And um, yeah, while I was studying the LSATs, I was drinking tea and I just had this like yeah, just uh, this moment of something mm-hmm. came through me. It was like, you're meant to study Chinese medicine. And I was like, great. Uh, and I just kind of went, went for it just off, off of that, that hunch in that moment. Yeah. Was that a weird thing for you to make that shift or did that feel natural to you? Or was it weird for your family members, like for you to make that shift? It made a lot of sense. Okay. I, I, before, I guess when I was really, really little, I talked a lot about becoming a doctor and mm-hmm. I had this healer energy. I loved giving people massages. I loved putting my hands on people when they said that Mm. they were hurting. I always would play doctor, but I think, you know, hospitals and 
the Western medicine paradigm probably turned me off to it as I grew older. So I just kind of disassociated from the, 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 like the healing paradigm, because I only associated it with Western medicine. Right. When I found that I was actually like, I, I think my family was sort of like, Ooh, can you actually be successful and make a living doing that? Is it yeah. super woo woo? But as, as re- they all kind of researched it and they saw me sort of embodying my true calling throughout the years, it, it just all kind of clicked into place and made so much sense. That's great. Yeah. yeah. That's always so exciting and beautiful when again, it's just kind of like it clicks and you're like, Oh, yeah. this is, this is what I'm maybe meant to do or the direction that I'm made to go, you know, cause I think about maybe people out there who like in our culture in America, maybe person like more specifically that maybe feel that pull towards being a healer. And in our culture, kind of the main thing we think about is like being a physician and right working in a hospital or, you know, and, but that not, that might not be the environment that that person in particular is really wanting to be in. And so Mm -hmm. that's where I think this is really cool to talk with you, you know, to kind of just to talk about like, yeah, you can still like you did like be a doctor in medicine, but it not Mm -hmm. have to look the traditional Western way that we're used to here in America. And so, you know, how do you feel like Chinese medicine is different from traditional Western medicine? Yeah. Oh, that's a loaded question. (laughs) I'm willing willing to go there. Um, You know, it's, it's tens of thousands of years old. It's rooted in philosophy and theory, um, but it's also a developed science because it has proven throughout the course of time to work and be effective. So, you know, if you use a scientific theory towards certain treatment protocols and treatment principles in Chinese medicine, you will see success. And that's Mm. just inevitable throughout, throughout the board. And for a long time, the studies considered it placebo, but we are starting to measure now a little bit more of the subtle shifts physiologically, um, in, in the entire body and the, and the systemic reactions that, that something like acupuncture can create in the body. And, and of course now more clinical trials around certain herbs and this, this wave of sort of superfood and so we're starting to see kind of the more biomedicine, like embracing Chinese medicine and, and even explaining it, but pre-dating, you know, modern science and, and modern medicine, Chinese medicine was built off of Taoist sages and priests observing nature. And mm. through the, the observation of the, the principles of the universe, the sun rising and the sun setting every day the cycles of the moon, the stars, the, the, the astrological signs, um, that are that though they call it the heavens, you know, the link in terms of the way that the heavens are moving and then the way that, you know, wind, water, fire, earth, metal, and wood that, you know, the five elements in Chinese medicine, they observed that in nature and they saw that there is a biomimicry in our our own body, that we are the microcosm to this macrocosm. Mm. And through, you know, these Taoist principles of channeling in and, and observing in heaven energy, observing and pulling in earth energy into the body, we can mm. like 
we become a more symbiotic creature of this world. And the more that we are in tune with the season and cycles, the more we find balance and harmony within ourselves. Mm -hmm. And, and part of, I think the evolution of this medicine was, is, was prevention. And the idea of knowing like winter is coming. So what are the daily practices? What are the seasonal vegetables and herbs that bloom around this time of year? And it's, isn't it interesting that, that the fall harvest is a lot of warming vegetables. And isn't it interesting that a lot of the blooming um, berries in the winter are good to to cultivate the fire on the inside of the body because mm. it's those colder temperatures and starting to see all of these just these symbiotic relationships to to the cycles and the body and so that's how Chinese medicine was ultimately built and of course being ten thousand years old or maybe even more um, it's evolved and it's gotten a lot more technical. It's gotten a lot more heady and there's, you know, auricular acupuncture was, was created um, in the 1800s. And so that was, and that's the idea of treating the whole body through the ear and it's incredibly mm. effective. So there's even more contemporary versions built off the, the, the more classical traditions. Okay. Yeah. As yeah. you were describing that, you know, just based on my connection with Ayurveda, it sounds yeah similar ish in the sense of you're acknowledging that we are made of this earth and the heavens, right? Like we are, we, are, we come from this. And so therefore it makes sense that then we have all of those elements within us. Yes. Like you were saying in Chinese medicine, it sounds like there's five elements yeah. and that those can be represented within each of us as a human being. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And that, again, if we can kind of have that alignment of those elements and especially based on noticing, like, where are we, like you were saying, like with the moon cycle and uh, the seasons and whatnot, living with the earth, yeah. <laughs> living with the cycles, that that could help us be more in balance. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And I think about this, you know, kind of speaking then to the difference of like Western culture is I feel like we don't, we don't tend to live in balance with the seasons or the elements, right? It's kind of, and I have felt this more and more so for some reason, since I've been in my own private practice, but over the past, like two winters, I, a part of me has gotten frustrated in that I feel like we're meant to slow down and correct me if I'm not correct, according to the elements and the seasons, but I feel like we're meant to like slow down in the winter time mm-hmm. and kind of have more rest, have more like just being slower. Yeah. And I don't feel like our culture, uh, I don't feel like our culture accommodates that. No, given the shift in seasons, I feel like it's just kind of like, no, you just keep going and maybe you just keep getting more and more and more grow, 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 grow. Yeah. And I feel like that's where I know for me, I have felt that impact of if I keep that same momentum or even just try to keep grow, 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 but we're going into the shift of fall and winter. Oh, like my body, my spirit, like it just feels like there's like a polarization, as we would say in IFS, mm-hmm. where maybe parts of me are like, okay, let's go, 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 keep going, keep going. But then there's other parts of me that are like, oh, we really need to slow down. Yep. We need to rest. 
we need to switch up maybe the diet or things that we're yeah eating, drinking, engaging in. That's that's my opinion anyway. Is I feel like that's kind of a a reflection of the way we're kind of taught things, at least in the yeah. United States, is yeah. to not really be in alignment with some of that stuff. It's definitely not a conversation in the mainstream at all. Um, the the winter season becomes about the holidays and right. gifts. And while there is the energy of vacation and, you know, having Christmas time and holiday times, which is like ultimately supposed to be like a restful, get in, get in the house and stay cozy, but it's incredibly stressful Mm -hmm. in terms of the planning and the gifts and going to the mall and shopping. And so it's like instantly contradicting itself. And rather than even like celebrating kind of the more just, I, I, I guess, in the sense of what nature is doing that time of year, um, mm-hmm. celebrating something like the solstice, like when is the last time you heard the solstice talked about on the news for Christmas? And that was where Christmas tradition really stemmed from was the solstice holiday of it being the shortest time of the year. And in Chinese medicine, the solstice is a profoundly important day to really cultivate our yin It's the most yin point of the year. And so deepest yin is like our deepest waters. And so the idea from like pagan traditions or indigenous cultures, the solstice is our time to really connect with the spirit realm and spirit world. And also what's happening is like, because we're at the most yin point, the idea of our deepest waters, this is our deepest essence to really go within the shortest day of the year to really be in a contemplative yin state. And we can really start to get clarity on on where do like, this is the pivot point from the yin going back to the yang now. And so we're going from deepest contraction just before the expansion again. And Mm -hmm. so, um, it's the pull before the push. And so the solstice is such a pivotal time to really allow the contraction to be in its deepest, most restful state. And that's going to set you up for the spring, for the summer. So I always invite my patients in the solstice time to really get clear on like the most yin, deepest meditative healing, um, just inward journey experience they can do around that time of year. I just had a thought. And yeah. I think this is so interesting that you're you're talking about that and that now then we have what we do here for the holidays like you were just saying and instead of taking that time to really turn in and get deep within ourselves it's all about really looking outwards it's like you said it's more of the outward of like focus externally instead of internally on the holidays what does that mean um what do other people need of me right now in terms of get togethers, parties, you know, which are cool things and they're fun, but it's just so interesting to me that you're saying that this time of year is meant to go in Mm -hmm. and we spend a lot of it turning out. Yeah. I mean, and traditionally, I will say the solstice was a time that people really needed each other in the depths of the winter and the depths of the coldness and the coldness. And it is a time to really come together, but it's also a time to come together and be in ceremony together and Mm -hmm. to allow us to learn how to tap into ourselves 
as the individual within the collective. And I don't think that that is something that we talk about. I feel like we're all so socially drained by the end of the holiday mm-hmm. season. And that actually, instead of feeling recharged by socializing, we are feeling drained. And I think That's a right. big part of it is the missing link around how do we cultivate the individual within the collective? And that's something that like we have to have our own energetic boundaries, our own social mm-hmm. boundaries. And it could also really fulfill us in a really profound way if we can sort of create that that intention within our community within our family Mm -hmm. even even something as simple as getting together with your family around Christmas around the solstice and asking everyone to do like what's your intentions for the next year and having a 10 minute journaling session with your family I feel like could be such a profound Mm -hmm. moment to just like really vulnerably share and get a deeper idea of where everyone's at in their own individual lives yeah, absolutely. That it goes deeper. And again, in that self-reflection and then sharing, feeling connected within mm-hmm. yourself and with others with exactly. that sharing, as opposed to maybe doing what we're used to doing, which, you know, is again, it's enjoyable. It can be fun, but it can also be draining, like you said. Yeah. So I love what that I love what you just shared about that option of maybe journaling, maybe just having a reflective period and then having people share if they feel comfortable. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so with Chinese medicine, is it, it includes things like acupuncture, like you've mentioned, yeah. and that's something that you also provide within your practice. Yeah. Um, herbalism. Yep. Those are sort of the main, are those the main ones. Okay. Uh, you know, nutrition and mm-hmm. lifestyle stuff, doing things like a self inner cultivation practice, like Qigong breathwork meditation, part of that paradigm too. You mentioned as we were talking about how this kind of correlates with, and we'll get into talking about like IFS and parts work and all of that. One thing that you also mentioned is the meridian organ theories. Mm -hmm. like within Chinese medicine. And I think that's fascinating. (laughs) And I'd love to hear, can you share more with the listeners about what that is and how maybe that's connected with emotions? Totally. Yeah. So we have the, the 12 kind of primary organs in Chinese medicine and, um, And those will meridian lines are these energetic channels that stem from each of those organs, lung, large intestine, our yin and yang pair every. So there's six yin, six yang, the yin and yang have a pair. So all and the yin and yang. So like lung and large intestine is metal. So both of those will stem, the lung will stem from the lung, the large intestine will stem from the large intestine, but both those channels will intersect the other organ. And that's kind of how they're interrelated. And metal, so each of the five elements is correlated to a particular emotion. And so lung and large intestine, which are the metal meridians, is related to grief and letting go. So large intestine very much helps the grief let go. The lung very much helps or just calls forth the energy and emotion of grief. When you see things like adult onset asthma due to a loss, that's like a very prime example of something like um, unprocessed grief taking over the system. Mm. So what you'll see is down the meridian line, you can assess through palpation, 
or simply just with acupuncture needles, like you, you sort of feel for certain points. Sometimes people will have nodules down the line. Sometimes your finger sinks, which is a strong indication that there's a strong deficiency in that line. Um, so you'll, you can sort of feel like if I'm feeling the large intestine channel and the lung channels, which are both on the arm, and I'm feeling a lot of like congestion for me, that's a big indication that there's something holding. And so I will talk about it with them. And I will say like, are you in a grieving process? Are you moving through something that you really need to let go? And through that, you know, as they're sort of talking about the emotion that I am finding through accessing that channel, channel, I'll be like massaging it, working it or mm. putting a needle in it. And so you can do that with, like I said, with all 12 of the channels um, in the body. There's also eight extraordinary meridians, which get a little bit more technical, but also very much have a, a strong psycho-emotional, psychosomatic significance. Those are the deeper channels in the bottle, so uh, in the body. So now we're talking more of like inherited patterns, childhood trauma, um, subconscious sort of emotions. So mm -hmm. when somebody has um, been working through some really, really deep stuff, and then we're going into a much more like deeper medicine space, I'll work with those extra channels. And um, yeah, like it's, it's pretty much through palpation that I personally find the most information. Touch is kind of my gift. I've been told that since I was a little kid. Um, I find a lot of information. They say that our fingertips are the eyes of chi. Mm -hmm. And I feel like my fingertips just find places on people before my mind can or before my intuition can. So a lot of other practitioners, they'll utilize things like the pulse, which you could read all the chi in the pulse um, for all 12 organs in in the in the each wrist. Wow. So each wrist has six positions. Um and then the tongue also can give you a strong indication of certain patterns that are going on. So, and, and then of course, asking and doing an intake, um, somebody that's having like loose stools and bloated and feeling really heavy and dense. Now you like, that's automatically going to give you an idea that they have some sort of damp pathogen or phlegm pathogen. And usually that's rooted in the earth element because earth is very much about transforming and transporting think stagnation. So if earth is weak, we have dampness accumulating. So from there, you can go into the earth channels, which are the spleen and stomach channels. You can also palpate the abdomen to get more information. Um, there's of course, herbs and lifestyle and diet recommendations. And then your, your treatment principle will be tonify earth to drain the damp. Mm. And that's kind of how you go about it. And then the emotion associated with earth is worry and overthinking. So the idea of that, the psychology around that, which I find this pretty common, especially in the States where we have like an epidemic of digestive disorders and issues. Oh, and yeah. issues, I find that this like worry and this overthinking what's happening is the mind is taking over the digestive fire mm. and that the earth is like the earth elements about about descending the the chi of our food but when we're thinking and overthinking a lot the earth the earth chi is rising yeah and then it's processing the belly and the belly's holding so when we're processing a lot emotionally and overthinking and over worrying and anxious and then it's just all of the yang chi mm. which is a fire chi is is building up and then it's not working in the metabolic functioning of the body that's right so, you know, getting to the root cause of like, well, why are you over worrying? Why are you so anxious? And then mm -hmm. doing the deeper 
you know, psychology behind that too is, is, and that's kind of where going into the deeper, more like parts work might be like, who's, who is it that's running this machine of, of like, so paranoid and so overthinking, you know? Yeah. That makes so much sense. And again, this is just confirmation. That's like all of this that's going on. I'm making the motion of just like all over my body is beautiful information. Yeah. And you know, if we can take the time to pause and to notice what is going on, what do we feel? And let's use the example of, yeah, the digestive issues, because totally, I mean, I can relate to that. That's something that I've had issues with for, oh gosh, like since I was little. And, yeah. you know, now I feel like I'm gaining more and more connection with that and like understanding, but I get so many clients coming into my office where, you know, they're coming to me for anxiety and worry, and they also have GI issues. And, you know, so what you just described with like, again, that kind of like that push and pull, right? You know, we're trying to digest and move things down, but yet that fire is trying to then like move things back up and that's going to create an imbalance. And so the fact that, you know, yeah, we can look at okay, what are the physical symptoms? What are you noticing? The fact that you can, like you're gifted with your touch, I think is so beautiful that you can touch someone's body and their skin and places of their body connected to, you know, an organ and the fascia and, and you have this gift of seeing, or maybe just noticing that intuition of like, oh, there's something here. Mm -hmm. And with those meridians, I just, again, it's just so cool to me that they can be connected to an organ, which is then connected to an emotion. And that emotion is going to be a connected to a part, as we would say yeah. in IFS, like you were exactly. just saying of like, well, who's the one in there that's activating that worry? Yeah. Who's the one in there that's feeling paranoid? And that's where I love parts work and IFS because it just helps. I feel like the person have a new way of turning in and connecting to that mm-hmm. as opposed to um, maybe then just having it feel more kind of like untethered and maybe kind of confusing uh, or right. just addressing the physical symptom. It's, it's like a looking at all of it as a yep. whole. So I, I think all of that together makes so much sense to me. And I think that's so beautiful what you're describing. And you mentioned too, in our conversations before of, you know, the body holding stuck, like stuck points and like stuck emotions. So and would you say that that's connected to like, when you talked about like the arm? So like when you're pressing on the arm on like the meridian, one of the meridians there, is that what you're talking about? In the sense of like, you could like press down on that meridian and get a sense of like the literal you know, what the body feels like, like, like you said, does the finger push all the way down? Is it really soft? Are there nodules or is it really tough? Would that be in your kind of medicine way of looking at it of like, oh, there's something like stuck here? Yeah. I mean, it can be quite complex. Um, You know, it's never like textbook, you know, there could be, right. there could be something like 
an emotion that's more correlated to a different element and a different organ in another meridian. And, but, you know, maybe that it's like, the, it's, it's underlying rooted in, in a particular meridian and another organ, and then that's where it's manifesting. So I try not to get too like heady and translate all of it. Um, I've learned over time also to, to just, uh, just move what needs to be moved and not even get too caught up on the story or even the particular emotion, unless it's very clear to this person that something specifically is coming up. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, I don't want them to get in their head digging for it. So, but I will say when I find somewhere where, you know, the connective tissue, the fascia is sticky. And I really am somebody that believes that the meridian lines very much lie in the fascial network. Um, there's there's kind of a lot more studies showing the, the relationship between fascia and the meridian lines. If you look at anatomy trains, you mm -hmm. can really find the overlap of meridian lines and the, and the fascial trains in the body. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's a crystalline conductive structure. And so if you manipulate the fascia in one part of the train, it's going to transduct down the whole part of the train. So, you know, from a very like structural anatomical level, you can sort of just be loosening up the fascia in one area. And then it's systemically releasing the fascia down that whole line. Of course, fascia goes deep just as much as it goes superficial. So it's also can help the fascia that's winding around that, that organ. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it can, it can create a systemic response. So, you know, even for my more like literal patients that come to acupuncture for like basic pain management, like that's a great way to just go in and, and move what we call chi stagnation and stagnation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what happens is I build a deeper trust and a deeper relationship with their patient, or I come to somebody that's like ready to go into the more deeper kind of underlying waters of what's, what's the root cause here. Yeah. Um, there's always a spiritual, emotional significance of everything that we're experiencing from mm -hmm. the more like classical perspective of Chinese medicine and all truly all ancient healing arts really are. It's like, it's never happening to us. It's happening for us. And mm -hmm. it's here to teach us a lesson. So for me, it's like even somebody that's coming in for carpal tunnel because they're on a computer all day. I mean, there's a deep emotional root to that of why are you even on a computer all day? Do you even want to be on a computer all day? Are you in your Dharma? Are you in your alignment? And, you know, it can go like, and for some people, they're very content. They just want to get their carpal tunnel, like have some relief in their carpal tunnel. And they're just going to come consistently see me. And I'm going to give them the points that they need and some counter exercises. And they'll get like 80% better or, you know, or they're not going to be very proactive. Or there's like the deeper message of like, do I really want to be sitting at a computer all day? Like, is there something yeah. else out there for me that my body is asking me to do? Mm -hmm. And it's up to the patient, you know, how deep they want to go with that information. I say symptoms are just the language of our body mm -hmm. and it's how deep do you want to take that conversation? You know, That's do right. you want to just be in the physical plane? Totally fine. We could work with that, but you will get a deeper layer of healing. And I believe like, you know, we do healings of lifetimes. We do a lifetime of healing in this particular chapter of, mm -hmm. of living in this body, in this life. And all the work that we do will be passed on, whether it's to the next generation, whether it's to our next life, if we believe in next lives, but all of the effort we put into our own healing will be rewarded 
by a thousand, I believe. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's I, up to the patient to go, to go that deep if they want to. Yeah. And that makes sense, right? Cause you're respecting where the patient's at exactly. and, you know, uh, with IFS, it's this belief that our parts are like symptoms are our parts can like communicating with us in various exactly. ways. And that's where like one of the first questions when you're helping someone guide them towards befriending a part is where do you feel this part or notice this part in your body or around your body? Yeah. That's the first question. Mm-hmm. And because it is, it, it's again, it can be a physical symptom of, of pain, maybe in someone's back or pressure in their chest or racing heart rate or stomach clenching or twitches, um, headaches, you know, things like that. It can be something even more intense than those things. It just depends. You know, I've had situations personally where I remember this one time, it was so fascinating to me. This was before I even knew about IFS. Uh, but I was a therapist at a university's counseling center. I never got back pain, but this one day I had horrible, I mean like this horrible pain in my right lower side of my back. And I had a break in between clients and I was just laying on the floor in my office and I was just like, I'm just going to breathe and I'm going to focus on the pain. Mm -hmm. And when I just breathed and focused on the pain, stuff came forward. That was memories um, and a specific memory connected to something painful and emotional for me. And I was like, all right, let's go for it. (laughs) And just kind of went in and through and, and with it and was able to witness what that was. And it's not to say that the pain immediately just went away, mm-hmm. but it did like have a softening to the harshness. Cause it was now looking back, I do feel like it was a part of me at the time. I didn't have that language was getting triggered and activated by something going on in my surroundings. And then that was activating, I believe this maybe um, other part to kind of be like, here I am, <laughs> you know, you need, or either to distract me, maybe it could have been to distract me from it or trying to get my attention. Again, you don't really know until you turn towards it. I feel yeah. like that example for me was, it was trying to get my attention. And it yeah. finally was like, I need to scream really loudly in order for you to really actually look at me. <laughs> and it had to scream really loud. And then I took the time to pause what I was doing and turn towards it. So, you know, ever since then, and then learning IFS, I'm like, oh gosh, yeah. If there, if there's stuff going on physically, you know, that can be a beautiful opportunity if the person's system is open to it to turn towards that in an open way of what is this connected to? Is this a message? Is this just something that is either trying to distract me from something else, which will come forward, you know, if you turn towards it, but is it trying to get my attention for something deeper? Yeah. Yeah. And I do find mostly in my sessions, these type of stories just naturally come up and it can sometimes be the most benign story of something that they didn't even correlate to being traumatizing, but that story just got held in the tissues somewhere. That's right. And and we're releasing it and it doesn't need to be there. It doesn't need to be this density there anymore. That's exactly right. And I'm glad that you brought that up because that's so true. It's, it's, it can be something that the person's like, Oh, I had no idea that that was 
something that was like impactful (laughs) for my system. (laughs) But as they're there with you, and that was gonna be my other question for you was like, do you feel like when you're with a patient and you're engaging in these various practices that you provide through touch, through acupuncture, acupuncture, and all of that, if stuff just comes up right for the person. And if again, you got to ask them, I'm sure, you know, are you comfortable turning towards this or is there something you want to share with me about this? Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I feel like that is so cool that the body it's like, Oh, you're working on, would you say like someone comes in, like you said, and it's like carpal tunnel, you're addressing the carpal tunnel, maybe through acupuncture touch and, and then something else maybe comes forward. Are you encouraging that? Like in your session, like, are you kind of asking some questions or do you just kind of like feel it out? Yeah, that's, it's a good question. I mean, I would say at this point, um, in my practice, you know, with the reputation that I have and sort of the, the, the referrals that I get, most people know that they're going in for something deep. And so most people are receptive to that. I don't have like a standard clinic that people are coming in for insurance claim, general pain. Like these are people coming in for a very curated healing ceremonial Mm -hmm. session. So I will say that across the board, people are kind of ready to go in there. And carpal tunnel is a really interesting one because it's right over the heart channel. And, and that, that particular, um, I've had like three cases I can think of where someone came in for carpal tunnel and we are like going to the nucleus of their heart and Mm. doing some deep, deep, deep healing. Um, you know, and two out of three of them, it was sort of this midlife crisis of like, I hate my job and Mm. like, just to admit that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I will say like a lot of my development as a practitioner was I thought I was treating shoulder pain. And next thing I knew they were crying about their dad, you know, and yeah, shit, like this medicine yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've just learned to trust it, you know, at this point. Right. Yeah. And kind of go, yeah, go with what is coming forward. And so in terms of IFS, how did you get connected with IFS? Yeah. I mean, I got introduced to it through the CIIS psychedelic assisted therapy program. Um, we got to watch quite a bit of, of videos of recordings around, um, the MDMA therapy, mm-hmm. uh, paradigm and, and them utilizing IFS in those systems. And then I got connected to a psychiatrist here in LA and I, and I've been helping her out. I actually do psychosomatic body work sessions for patients at her, at her clinic where they offer ketamine. Mm-hmm. And so through her, she's done like some IFS workshops she, and I've read some books and I just, I started to receive some IFS therapy to get a little bit more informed. I haven't gone deep into it. I haven't done any formal trainings around it. Uh, but yeah, I would say in the last like two years, it's been like a consistent um, I guess, endeavor for me and mm-hmm. something that's allowed me with the Western mind that's so heady to guide, to guide the, per- my patient's mind into the body through this system, mm-hmm. you know, and cause yeah. sometimes Chinese medicine can be so like out there for them, but something like parts work and correlating a particular part to a particular emotion. And then that emotion sort of mapping it in their own body help really helps the, the, I guess the energy move in the sessions. Yeah. And it's so interesting to me. I've done my own, you know, training and studies with psychedelic medicine and 
it correlated with IFS. What I mm-hmm. find so cool is how they show or they talk about how even before, like, let's say a a person going into a psychedelic journey, they they don't have any idea about IFS. Right. They might have never heard of it. But yet, as they are, you know, communing with the medicine, they naturally start to talk and to share like in these part terms sometimes, you know, and again, I just think it's something that we're so naturally used to doing. We just don't have conscious aware awareness of it or the language to really understand that that's what we're doing. But I mean, like if you start to really listen to people talk, we all say part stuff all the time. All the time. Like literally we'll be like a part of me wants to like go surfing, but another part of me like wants to go lay on the couch, (laughs) you know? Exactly. And and it's like, so yeah, we're all, we're already like thinking in that way and saying some of this stuff. But once we are kind of given the language of how this can look within us, I, me personally, I, it really changed the game for me both in my personal work and my own healing journeys, but mm-hmm. especially also working with clients. And I don't know if you feel the same having now, you know, been exposed to IFS and parts work where maybe you feel a sense of clarity and maybe like a, like when I know when I'm with a client now, as opposed to like five or eight years ago, now I feel like when I sit with someone and they're sharing something with me, I'm like, oh, they're speaking from a protector part right there. Oh, yeah. now they're speaking for a wounded part within them. Oh, this behavior that they're coming in for wanting to change, that's coming from another part within them that's wanting that one to change because that part's seeing the end. And that just kind of helps like map it out. Yeah. In a way that I, for me, it, it just like kind of helps it. Yeah, it helps it make sense. Mm -hmm. so that then it's like oh okay well let's see can you connect with this part that just said that yeah that's maybe feeling that and then it's like by connecting with that one first it could then lead to that one then that one one. and then you get eventually to that wounded that wounded exiled one yeah within and then that's the beautiful healing that can happen Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I feel I love it that you know, you came across IFS through the psychedelic assisted training and it sounds like, yeah, you for sure see the impact and where it can be so beneficial in incorporating this parts work into what you're already doing. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's, it makes, like you said, the language is so practical, relatable. When I say something like, oh, your liver chi is angry. People are like, what does that mean? But if I'm like, you have this, the liver in Chinese medicine is like the general, it's very like practical execution, but it's very, the controller, you know, the, ah. the, and so, you know, and, and telling people like, oh yeah, you know, you have this, this thing, like this pattern in the body, that's like over controlling this over controlling sort of cycle, this loop. And it's like, what are you, what are you trying to control? What are you trying to protect? Mm-hmm. So kind of like utilizing that IFS language in, in the Chinese medicine paradigm makes it so much more digestible for my patients. And that's where I've been finding it to be like really beneficial and, and useful for me in my practice. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And then I get to a point on their liver channel needle it, and they're like, Oh, (laughs) 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 just like release it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I, I love it. And 
you know, what I'm curious for you to share, uh, what services are you currently providing for for people that want to come your way? And is it just for people who are in the Los Angeles area that have to see you in person? Or are there things that can be done virtually with you as well? Yeah, I mean, in terms of seeing me for for patient one-on-one in person, being local is helpful. I mean, if you come to LA, you're welcome to reach out to me and um, see if we can line something up. I have um, a website where I'm offering an herbalism mentorship for people where they want to go into deeper herbalism. And and for me, my herbalism is very like emotional. We go into the spiritual significance of the, of the plants, the emotional significance and the physiological. So it's kind of all three, three layers. And then I also do online telehealth appointments and stuff where I can give you lots of self-care and nutrition and lifestyle recommendations. And I also offer psychedelic integration as well. Um, so all of that's accessible through my website. Beautiful. And I'll put your website in the show notes as well as your social media. I know you're active on Instagram Mm -hmm. and at earthy bad bitch. (laughs) I love it. You post the best videos, by the way. I appreciate that. They're so like, just they catch your attention and you share like some awesome information about these beautiful herbs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love being a voice for the plants. They are my biggest allies. And so, and I find a lot of joy and it's just a great creative expression for me that I've been just having a lot of fun. I don't take it too seriously. And I think that vibe comes Mm -hmm. across and people actually appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yeah. It's very, you keep it very light and easy to understand, which Mm -hmm. I appreciate. Yeah. And so in terms of how people can get in contact with you, is it going to your website? Yeah. My website and my yeah. emails in their contact there's contact through there. Um, and yeah, that's a great way. Okay, perfect. Yep. And I'll put all of that in the show notes. And so people can get in contact with you. Yes, I appreciate it. And just to let everyone know, um, the the herbalism mentorship will be a cohort of eight people. And I'm I'm gathering, I have a few people gathering a few more before we do like the exact start time, but that will be somewhere in December. Perfect. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Nadia, for joining me today. This has been such a great conversation. I just, I love diving into stuff regarding wellness, but when we can relate it to IFS, that's even better. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. 